Aren't you glad that you're his this morning? Aren't you glad that you're his this morning? He's not in a grave somewhere, but he's alive at the right hand of the Father. You're his. Shout it from the rooftops. Let everybody know that the King of kings and Lord of lords is still alive in this place. Amen.
nothing that's greater than our God. There's nothing that's bigger than our God. No matter what you're facing, what problem you're going through, what it looks insurmountable, he is still God and he's still on the throne. He's still, everything is still in his hands. So let's sing that again.
Like you, there's no 
Bible says in Genesis chapter 22, verse 2, Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you doesn't matter how much context you have at first glance that verse of scripture will make anybody gasp would God really demand would God really demand costly worship but you know the worship that God demands cost us something Jesus echoed by saying if any man wants to be my disciple let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me the image of a man carrying a cross was a walking dead man he was dead the worship that God desires is costly. The worship that God is pleased with is costly. It's this idea that, Jesus, you are so precious to me. You are more precious to me than anything or anyone in my life. Jesus echoes by saying, if any man loves his mother or father more than me, he is not worthy of me. It's unfortunate, but it seems this day and age that we're, we're cleaning up God. We've got, to, we've got to make him where he's more appealing to people. But the reality of it is the, the line is still in the sand where God demands costly worship. Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. And then he gets up on the altar and God provides the sacrifice. So as the ushers are getting ready for communion, that's what we have in mind this morning is that, that God desires costly worship. God desires costly worship, and he imitates it for us by sending his only son, his only son to the earth to become flesh, to live amongst men who are depraved, and to give his life in order that we may be reconciled to God. He sets the example. He lifts the bar, but he sets the example, and he does it for us. He demands costly worship. At Life Church, we practice open communion. What that means, you don't have to be a member here. You just have to be a follower of Jesus. You have to have had a born-again experience, and you're welcome to practice communion with us as we worship God in giving communion this morning. As we do this in remembrance of Jesus, we remember the sacrifice that he gave. We remember the availability that he made in order that we can worship God in order that we can be in relationship with God, in order that we can walk as reconciled to God in the way that he designed humans. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time and the worship that we desire. We desire to give costly worship. We don't want to be swept away by emotion, God, but we desire to give costly worship. We desire to live a life that is pleasing to you, a life that is sacrificed to you. Let us deny ourselves. Let us give costly worship. This morning, the Bible says in Luke chapter 22, verse 14, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus, he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Costly worship. Jesus gave 
his body as a sacrifice that we can be reconciled to God. Father, thank you that you made a way. Thank you that Jesus paid the price, that we can give costly worship, that we can sacrifice and deny ourselves. And we take this time this morning as we remember. We remember and we reflect and we ask you to forgive us, God. We ask you to forgive us for selfishness. We ask you to forgive us to making this thing about us. The Bible is not about us. It's about you, God. And we ask you to forgive us. Let's take the bread together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Thank you for the blood. Thank you, Jesus. It is the shedding of blood that men are saved. It's the blood. The life is in the blood. Thank you, Jesus, for giving the blood that washes away sin, that makes us as white as snow. And we can stand in the throne room. We can stand in the presence of God. We ask you to forgive us. We ask you to cover us with the blood. We give you honor, and we remember the price. We remember the sacrifice this morning, and we reflect. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. At this time, we're going to do something a little different as the ushers are picking up the cups. Naomi's going to be coming to the platform. You guys can grab a seat just for a moment. The worship team can stay in place. But uh, Pastor Bob, we're going to do something different. We want to spotlight, we want to highlight missionaries. And so this month, uh, Naomi's going to come and she's going to tell us about a missionary that we support and she's going to give you information and then we're going to pray. We're going to stand back to our feet and, and Naomi's going to lead us in prayer for the, this particular missionary but then also for missions around the world. So Naomi, why don't you come? so that when she walks in and she reaches and she talks 
others like marked by God, washed clean, significant one. And she remembers their names because she will also say, I ran into dressed in white. So I just thought that was such an amazing this morning well, good morning live church oh that was weak good morning on this soggy south louisiana sunday morning huh soggy sunday morning man well it's so great to see you it's so great to be here with all of you this morning for those of you that don't know me my name is josh i'm one of the pastors here um, so I'm excited to see you. If this is your first time with us, we want to connect with you. You can text the word CONNECT to 337-317-4123, and you can pick up a free gift. When you do that, we've got free gift. Everybody loves free things. So you can pick up a free gift at the Welcome Center in the lobby. And uh, for our regular attendees, listen, we still haven't gotten everybody, or at least 80%. We're looking for maybe 80% uh, to, of our regular attendees to text the word WELCOME. 
Oh, connect. We had it backwards, but that's okay. We'll get through it. <laughs> uh, text the word connect because, listen, we're about to go into our fast, our two-week fast, and this is the way we're going to keep you updated. We're not gonna, we, haven't been, we have not been sending annoying texts. We've kept our word. We don't annoy you with our text and frequent, but, but man, we are going to send out the prayer points. We're going to send out updates on what's going on during the fast. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the fast that we're going to start on the 15th. Uh, but if you're a regular attendee, you can also text the word connect to that same number. And we're going to keep you up to date on what's going on, specifically through the fast. We're going to use that as a platform of, hey, this is what we're praying for today. This is what we're believing for. And, uh, man, I believe, I know that mountains will move in this fast. And so speaking of prayer, you can text the word pray to that same number, and we'll be standing with you. And what a great opportunity as the church is going on our church-wide corporate fast that we can pass along these prayer requests to be standing. People have been texting that over the last week, the prayer request. And, and man, we respond, and we're standing in prayer, and we and we we have seen God do powerful things. Amen. Hey, listen, I do want to bring you up to speed that January fifteenth, that is next Sunday, so it's a week from today. We start our churchwide fast, and and you know, last year we kind of. Like, hey, man, it'd be great for you to join us. But as a church, as leaders, we're calling you to a fast. We're challenging you. If you've never fasted before, it would be a great time to start. Maybe if you, if you say this is a weak area in my life, well, it's a great time to flex those muscles and to strengthen. So at the Welcome Center, the table in the lobby, we've got material that talks about fasting, that talks, it tells you how, how to fast, gives you some examples, some good ways on what to fast, on what that would look like. And then also... As a church, we put together a calendar of the things that we're going to be standing on each day. And we've also got a list of prayer points that we're asking you to partner with us. Because, man, we have shifted and, and God has been doing powerful things in prayer. And I believe that this year, mountains will move. Oh, come on, somebody. That was a great place to say amen. That, man, when you fast, fasting is powerful. When you fast, it does amazing things in you as a person, but it also moves God in order that him to move mountains. So, and then on the 20th, uh, January 20th, which is a week into the fast, we're going to do a worship and prayer night. So it's going to be great. It's going to be an awesome time. Also, I want to announce that on the 15th, that same day, uh, immediately following service upstairs, there's going to be a lit meeting, L-I-T. So that is the leaders in training crew. That's the um, children's ministry. They have a leaders crew. And so that meeting is going to be an informational meeting where you can find out more, more about that, find out how, you, how your kid can be a part of it. It's going to be great. Hey, it's going to be great. Look at somebody and say it's going to be great. You guys, the better you participate, the, the quicker we'll get through this. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Man, this year is going to be great. I have, I have high expectations. Um, and I'm not one of those like, hey, when the year changes, it's just another day. I get that. But I just, I've seen what God's been doing in our church. I really have. And, and I really believe that as we go deeper in prayer, as we go deeper in fasting, God's going God's gonna to build our spiritual DNA. He's going to grow us as a church spiritually. Not necessarily, I'm not concerned about numerically as much as God is going to make us a strong church spiritually where we can see principalities fall. Come on, somebody. We can see mountains move because we know how to pray. Hey, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 through 8, it says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. 
not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Hey, we've given you four opportunities where you can partner with the Lord in giving. We've got boxes on the back wall. We've got a feature on our website where you can give. We have also can give on our text platform, and then you can give in our app as well. So I want you guys to be afforded every opportunity to partner with the Lord in giving. Amen? Hey, how many of you ready for the word this morning? All right. Well, it's there. <laughs> it is what it is. Praise God. Oh, I, I too, I, I, I'm just, I have an expectation for this year. Um, and um, it's not hype. It's not just saying it. There's something stirring. And, and, and. It's not me, it's God. I just, I sense it. And, and you say, well, what is it? I don't know. I just know that he's, he's up to something. And my job is not to, to, to determine what that something is. My job is to get in line and follow what, what he's saying and where he's going. Anyway, uh, all week long I've had a four-line chorus going through my mind from years and years ago in the early charismatic move and uh, on faith. I talked last week about how faith is a journey that we begin. The Bible says we move from faith to faith, and those two words mean two different things. In other words, faith is, is the beginning, the starting place, and faith being the completion of it. And... Um, but all week long, I've had this little chorus that just says, faith in God will move the mighty mountain. Faith in God will calm the troubled sea. Faith in God will make the desert like a fountain. Faith will bring the victory. I mean, all day and night for seven days, that has been in my head. I don't know where, how he got there, where it came from, but I said, it was the Holy Spirit. And so <clears throat> I'm going to talk about faith again this week and talk about stepping out in faith. Because if faith is a journey, which I mentioned last week, then how many of you know that the journey begins with the first step? Yeah. You know, it starts with the first step. There's always a start. There's always a get in the car, come on, we're going, that kind of thing. And uh, I, I, when I picked a picture, you say, well, what's, what's the deal with that lemonade thing? You know, how many of you ever had a lemonade stand or something like that? And, and uh, it, when, when, when it, I remember having one. Mine was a Kool-Aid stand when I was a kid. You know, Kool-Aid was the thing when I was a little kid. And, but I found out in the summertime that if you put twice as much sugar in the Kool-Aid, and then we, we didn't have ice machines and stuff growing up. We had those old ice cube trays. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, the old metal ones where you had to pull on them, you know, and you know, <laughs> bang on it, you know, on the counter to get them loose. But I, I found out if you put double the sugar in the Kool-Aid and not quite as much water and put it in ice cube trays, 
He made the best popsicles. And I found out that you could make more money selling that on a street corner because every other kid on the street had a Kool-Aid stand or a lemonade stand. I said, but I'm going to stand out. And I had me a popsicle stand. And I'd put like two ice cubes, three ice cubes, whatever, and kids would be going around chewing on them things, you know, and all the other kids. Nobody else was selling any, man. And I had twice the price on mine, and I was selling them. And, and uh, my mama tried to talk me out of it. And finally she, she said, son, I ain't got no more sugar in the house. You've, eat, you've taken all my sugar. And I said, but look at all the money I'm making. She, you know, in my mind, I was making money. In her mind, she said, and I'm going broke, you know, cause, and all my sugar's gone. But I, I thought about it because, the, you know, when a child comes to you and goes, oh, I got this great, I'm going to set me up a lemonade stand, I'm going to set up whatever, you know. They know for a fact it's going to work. They're not, they're not dissuaded. You could try and talk them out of it. They're, they, they're like, I know it'll work, Mama, just let me go do it. And it kind of reminds me of what Jesus said, that you've got to come to him and to the kingdom through the eyes of a child, through the simplicity of a child's faith. And, and so I, I thought, stepping out in faith, you know, we, we, as parents, we look and go, oh, Lord, I don't want them to be disappointed, you know, and uh, whatever. But the child's not dissuaded by your worry or fear or anything else. And so we're talking about stepping out in faith. And I talked about the fact that faith is a journey. And so, because it says by faith, we, we live by faith. It's the life of uh, this journey life that we're on. We're living by faith. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It, it is a substance. And if I could break that down, it is the element necessary to believe. You cannot believe God without faith. I, I, I heard about God growing up, but I never believed until I was presented with who Jesus is. Not was, is. And something sparked in me, and I know it was faith. Because the Bible says that without faith, you can't believe. You can't receive it. It's a measure. It's a that seed of faith that, was, that came alive that caused me to believe. And so it's from that moment that I believe that, that there's this element of faith that begins to grow as we begin to walk in it, okay? And so if, there, if we have to walk in it, there's that step. There's that taking the first step. And I thought, this is the first of a new year. This would be the time to make a change. This would be the time to talk about starting, to make a change, to take the first step, whatever, how it is. And, and immediately there's people who think, nope, nope. In fact, I, I got an email from somebody who said, resolutions are for, their word was suckers. And they said, because everybody that'll make a resolution will fail. 
And I said, well, boy, they're starting off full of negativity about that, you know. And, and I know a lot of people, they say, well, I've heard all these messages before about starting over, fresh start, this, that, and everything, but they've all failed. I, I, I've, I've tried it, and I can't do it, and all of those kinds of things. Well, I, I found a scripture that I think will encourage you. And it says, Psalms 145 and 14, look what it says. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. How many of you that describes you today? Come on, be honest. You're carrying a load. Or you've been, you're beat down. Be honest. You're wore out. You're just like, I, I don't know if I can take another step. I don't know if I can go on. I've, 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 I've ministered to several people this week, and that's exactly what they've said. I just don't think I can go anymore. Well, we've all felt like quitting at times. Come on now. We've all just felt like throwing in the towel and quitting. And, and, uh, and, and if, if you feel that way today, then you've come to the right place because we're going to talk about that. And we're going to look at the Bible, and we're going to look at the scriptural things, and five simple steps. And here's the thing: it, five letters of the first of the first word spell the word start. It just start. We're going to start at this place, okay? And so, regardless of your background, regardless of your past, regardless of previous times when you've messed up, and I'm going to use a story that's found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, and it's about a blind man named Bartimaeus, okay? And there's, there's some simple principles we're going to learn from this. And it says, And Jesus and his disciples left town, and a large crowd followed him. And a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, to be blind in, in Jesus' day meant you couldn't work, obviously because you couldn't read, you couldn't write. Uh, you probably couldn't just go anywhere you want. They didn't have like CNI dogs and, and all the stuff that you know there is today for those who may be blind. Um, but he, his, he, his life was reduced to depending on everybody else to get him where he needed to be, to do what he needed to have done. Just think of it. They would carry him out to the side of the road. He would call out for strangers going by every day, begging for them. At the end of the day, these people would come back and get him and take him back home again. And that was his life over and over and over again. So one day, Bartimaeus hears that Jesus is coming. Now, the 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 name of Jesus and the miracles and the things that have been happening had been circulating for a while, and he's heard them, okay, because he's sitting by the road every day. He picture this. He's hearing conversations of people who are walking by every day, and he keeps hearing about this guy, Jesus, and the miracles that he's doing and the healings and everything else. So he hears that he's coming down the road. There's a murmur. He's, he's probably inquired, what, what's all the noise about? They said, Jesus of Nazareth is coming. And all of a sudden, Bartimaeus is thinking to himself, this is my chance. 
I got to go for it. I got, I, this is my chance. I mean, I've, I've heard the stories. I, I, I've not seen them, obviously, because I'm blind. But this is my opportunity, and, and I'm not going to miss it. And so he begins to yell out above the crowd. And look, to yell out above a crowd, imagine a famous celebrity coming and all the people gathered around. And he's got to make himself be heard above every single person. So he starts yelling at the top of his lungs, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And that's the first step in making a fresh start. And that is, the S stands for seize the moment. You have to seize the moment, okay? I mean, he said, I'm not going to sit around and wait and see if he'll notice me. He didn't say, I'm going to sit around and wonder if uh, maybe somebody will say, hey, Jesus, have pity on this guy over here. He, he just said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make myself known. I'm going to, if I have to be obnoxious, I'm going to be obnoxious. I'm going to yell at the top of my lungs. And, and his I... I'm tired of living this way. I want to be healed. I want to change in my life. And, and, and that's, the, that's the first key for us. We have to get to the place where we say, I want a change. It, I have people all the time who have come to me over the years and, and they tell me their situation and I go, I can help you. I can show you what God's word says, and I can help you. Are you willing to change? And I've had so many who have said, well, it depends on what it would mean. <laughs> they're not ready for change. They want it on their terms. They're not like Bartimaeus who's going to start yelling, Jesus, have mercy on me. No, they're like, well, it depends on what it means. You can't help somebody who really doesn't want help. Come on now. I mean, it's true. And so if, you're gonna, if you want a fresh start in your life or you want to change or you want to take it to the next level, there's something that you need to do, and that is whatever you're going to do, you need to do it now. Now is the... Say now. Now, I mean, it, it has to be now. It, I mean, it just, don't say, well, next year. It is next year. All right, we're already in next year, so let's do it. Okay, uh, you know, uh, or next month. Uh, you know, it's now or never. I mean, really, that's the way it is. Bartimaeus didn't get up that morning and go, you know, Jesus is coming down my road today. He had no clue Jesus was coming that way. But when he found out that Jesus was coming, he said, this day is going to be the day that changes my destiny. This is going to be the day because I am not going to just sit here and wait and see what might happen. Okay, He had to seize the moment. And all around us, there are opportunities every single day for a fresh start. And there's one word that keeps us usually from doing it, and it's the word procrastination. Procrastination. I, I remember years ago, I came across this poem, and, and you'll, I, I liked it. I don't know if you will, but it says, I spent a fortune on a trampoline, 
a stationary bike and a rowing machine, complete with gadgets to read my pulse and gadgets to prove my progress results, and others to show the miles I've charted, but they left off the gadget to get me started. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right now, every time you turn around, they're selling something online, you know. Get, you, this is the time, buy this expensive ride, bike, you know, exercise bike, or this meal program, or, or, or join the gym. I remember years ago, when I was a part of a, a, a place that I used to play racquetball like five times a week. And every year around January, you couldn't find a parking place because everybody had joined that health club, right? And the owner told me, he said, wait three weeks. You'll have no trouble finding parking places. He said, because they start off like out of the gate. In three weeks, they just quit. He said, you'll have plenty of room. And, and he was right. Three or four weeks later, man, you can just pull up almost any time of the day. Hey, we'd call down there and say, hey, is there a court open? Yeah, which one you want? It was no problem. Because people were, they, they just, they would put off stuff. They would procrastinate. It's, procrastination is a strange phenomenon. And what, what I mean by that is people think that if they put something off, it'll make their life easier. And the opposite is actually true. Because the more we put it off, the more stress it creates. Come on now. How many of you were like me in school and you had term papers and you waited till the night before to do it? And we said, to justify it, we said, I work better under stress. I work better under pressure. No, <laughs> you lie. <laughs> you just procrastinate. You just say, I'm going to get around to it, right? And, the, and, the, and, and that's the way it is. I mean, we know what we should be doing. We know we have to do it. There's some of you, you've already begun preparing for your taxes. So, and some of you, you won't even remember till April 15th. I mean, you'll remember, you just put it off. And then you go, oh, but I can file an extension. But if you owe money, you're going to pay a penalty. But we put that off too. I mean, we just put it out of our minds. We know the benefit of doing things right. We know the benefit of doing it at that time. But we keep saying, I'll do that later. I'll do that later. It's, it's the manana syndrome. You know, manana tomorrow, you know. Not Madonna syndrome, manana. <laughs> you know. And, and we say things like, I'll do it tomorrow. I can put that off. Someday I'm going to do that. Or one of these days, I'll get around to it. I'm aiming to, or my favorite one, is I'm fixing to. I'm fixing to. I have people, I've kidded my kids about that for, for a year. They say, I'm fixing to do it. I'm fixing, I'm fixing. I'm like, what are you fixing? I'm fixing to do it. You're fixing. What does that mean, you're fixing? In other words, I'm getting ready to go and do it. Come on now, you know what I'm talking about. The Bible warns us about presuming that we even have a tomorrow to put it off to. 
Because none of us are guaranteed that tomorrow, whatever you, you're going to do, you better do it now. Job, verse nine, uh, chapter 9, verse 25 says, My days go quickly, more quickly than a runner. They sprint away. In fact, the older you get, the faster the days run. <laughs> Come on now. Some of you know what I'm talking about. When you're young, man, you think you got all the time in the world. And all of a sudden, at some point, boy, you're like, boy, the days are getting shorter. You don't know. You're just on the downside, you know, and you're running a little bit faster. Our lives, the Bible basically says, is like a vapor. It's a blip on the, on the radar screen. Proverbs 27 and 1 says, don't post about tomorrow, for you don't know what a day will bring forth. Uh, Psalms 90 and 12 says, teach us. He says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are, few they are in the light of eternity, okay? And help us to spend them as we should. Ephesians 5 and 16 says, make the most of every opportunity. So here's two simple questions. One is, what do you need to stop procrastinating about? And the second one is, what do you need to start doing that you already know that you need to start doing? Don't, you know, start with the thing that you know you got to do. Start with the thing that you've been saying, I'm fixing to start that. I'm getting ready to do it. I'm about to get around to it. Get around to it. You know, how many of you have ever had around to it? I used to carry wooden ones in my pocket. You ever had one? And it would be round and it would say to it on there. And people would say, say, I'm getting ready to get around to it. And you'd hand it to them. They go, what's this? I said, around to it. <laughs> what? And it said to it. I said, and it's round. Go ahead, get started. I used to buy them by the hundreds every year. I gave them away for years and years and years. I finally, I finally said, that's just, I, I know I'm giving them away to people who just throw it away or give it to somebody else. They're not getting around to it. The only thing they're getting around to is giving away their round to it. I think God brought some of you here to, this morning to, Hear me say that God is saying, stop making excuses. Get on with it. Start living, doing what you know you need to do. Give your life to God if you haven't done that already. Or start living for him. Because look, when the day is gone, the day is gone. They, there ain't no groundhog day. <laughs> you know? You don't get to live the same day over and over and over and over again. It's gone forever. So the first letter in getting starting over, fresh start is S. The second one is T, and it stands for tame your fear. Because if you're going to make a fresh start in faith, and you've got to tame or face your fears. I've been telling I don't know how many people this week, that have been, I've been praying with and ministering to you, face your fears. Go at it head on. Because fear is the unknown thing that, in our, that the enemy wants to try and throw on our face. We get a doctor report that we don't know anything about. And immediately fear wants to come. That happened to me last week. I got a phone call on a Monday from the from uh, the heart place here in town and they go 
Mr. Robert, we need to make you a, a CAT scan for your heart immediately. I'm like, why? What happened that I don't know about, you know? And they said, well, it's in your records. Three months ago, we did a CAT scan, and they, they found a cyst on your heart. I said, they did? He said, yeah. And it was in the thing that in 90 days, you had to have another CAT scan. We've got to do this now. And I'm like, okay, when's now? And they like said, like the day after tomorrow. I said, okay. So I planned it, you know, so put it on my calendar and everything. And immediately, here comes the enemy. Assist on your heart. What is that? Ah. Oh. Been feeling that pain? That little. Isn't it funny how that's the suggestion? All of a sudden you're like, you know, I have been feeling a little. That's, that's fear. Torment. That's right, brother. That's exactly what it is. It is a spirit. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. That means a disciplined mind. That means the moment that thought comes in, you know what I did? I said, devil, you're a liar. I said, I'm not listening to that. I'm not giving in to that. I, I texted a few people and just that morning I said, they found this. I said, would you be in prayer with me that everything's going to come out negative? Everything's going to be fine. It wasn't because I was fearful. It just, you know what? The Bible says you have not because yes, not. So I said, I'm going to call a few people that I know will pray. Can I tell you, you can text that to 100 people and ask for prayer. They're all going, I'm praying for you. And three of them might pray for you and the rest are just passing it on to other people. So I'm kind of selective about who I ask to pray, you know. And, and, uh, and, they, and, and people wrote back and said, well, have you heard it? Well, I said, no, you're not going to hear anything probably for a week. They got to, you know, take it, then they got to read it, then someone's got to dictate it, then they got to type it up, and then they got to send it to the doctor's office, and then the doctor's got to see it. And I said, probably be a week. Two days later, I got the report. They called me. I said, Mr. Robert, this is so-and-so's office. And I went, uh-oh, here it come again. I said, no, fear, you have no place in this place right here. The blood of Jesus covers every one of my thoughts. I said, yes, ma'am. She says, well, I just wanted to call you. We, we've already got your results. I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, and the doctor said, it's very satisfactory. She said, there's no problem here. And he said, he wants to just follow up in a year again. He said, but we just thought we'd call you and, and let you know. I said, thank you very much. And I hung up the phone, and I said, devil, that's the end of that. You see, it doesn't matter where you, how, how many years you've been serving God, following God. What, fear is ready. It's ready to pounce. It, it wants to find a way. Fear wants to control it has a way of paralyzing our potential. It has a, a way of keeping us from launching out in faith, from taking that first step. They go, what if you do and you fall on your face? You know, I mean, 
Fear is the opposite of faith. It is the antithesis of faith. It's the polar dimensional opposite, okay? Here's what you need to understand, and that is this, that faith and fear work in the spirit realm. And they both work to produce results in a person's life. But the forces and the results are opposite. Hear me what I'm saying. Faith is a spiritual force. It's a belief system. And fear is the same thing. But they're polar opposite of each other. What do I mean? Faith is constructive. Fear is destructive. Faith is grounded in truth. Fear is grounded in lies. Faith is based on the promises of God. Fear is based on the deceptive lies of Satan. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Fear comes by hearing the lies of Satan. And they both respond to what our belief is. If I believe the fear, it has a corresponding results in my life. But if I believe the faith, then it has a, a, a response or an outflow that comes in my life. And when we face the choice of whether we're going to yield to faith or yield to fear, if we choose fear, it makes us skeptical. It makes us to where we're afraid to try anything new. When, when, when we're afraid, it makes us selfish. It, it, it makes us afraid to commit to God, to commit to others. It makes us short-sighted. It makes us focus on the past and not the future. That's what fear does. And Bartimaeus, in his situation, he faced probably one of the greatest fears that every human being at some point in time in their life faces. And it's the fear of rejection. The fear of rejection. We, we fear that our actions will be rejected. And the idea of someone disapproving keeps us frozen in place. Bartimaeus knew that he was to be quiet. He was out there trying to get people to give to him. The way to get people to give to you is not to antagonize people. You want the you want the right? I mean, if you're if you're being a pest, you're not going to get money from them. He knew that the people would look down on him, and the Bible says that and when he yelled out, he says, But look what happened. The more he yelled out, it says, many of the people scolded him and told him to be quiet. But, say but, but he shouted even more loudly. Son of David, have mercy on me. See, when he shouted out, everybody goes, be quiet. You're being a nuisance. Jesus is too busy. He doesn't have time to be bothered with you to stop and look into your situation, all that kind of stuff. That's what the devil will tell us. That's what his darkness will come. God's not interested in you. Be quiet. 
I pray that somebody somewhere today will grab hold of this and just let the devil know you're not keeping me quiet anymore. I am going to cry out to the throne of God and let him hear my voice. I don't care if the church likes it, if the religious people like it. I've decided that 2023 is the year that I am going to reach through, punch through, break through to the throne room of God. My life is not going to be in this place this time next year should Jesus have not returned. Because those kinds of thoughts will keep us from stepping out in faith. And let me tell you this, the person whose disapproval you fear the most, that person is your ruler. See, they brought Peter and John before the religious people and said, we command you to stop preaching in the name of this Jesus. Remember, the gate beautiful man was brought every day to beg. Peter and John walked by and said, silver and gold we don't have, but what we have we give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And Luke, the physician, says, and his ankles went straight, became straight. And it says he went walking and leaping and praising God. And, the, and, and revival broke out. But along with revival, riot broke out. And, and Peter and John get dragged before the Sanhedrin, and, and they're talking about Jesus being raised from the dead. They don't even believe in the resurrection, most of them. And so they're, they're, they're like, what do we do? We can't argue. The guy, the guy that was, was crippled, 40 years, he's standing right here. We can't deny the miracle. What do we do? They said, well, we'll tell him, don't preach in this man's name anymore. And what did they say? Is it, how are we going to stay quiet? And they said, basically, they said, should we be more fearful of you or fearful of God? We will continue to preach in Jesus' name. And most Christians live in fear of what other people will say or think and they want their approval so they, they cower back. The world is looking for the church of Jesus Christ who knows their God and will do great exploits. It's what they're looking for. They're tired of the dead, dry religion. They're looking for people who say, I know in whom I've believed. I know the power of his name. I know it. I've seen it. I've touched it. You can have it. You can see it. You can touch it too. When you live in fear of what other people will think, that, that peer pressure isn't just about kids. It's on everybody. And we struggle with the fear of disapproval. I know pastors that struggle, worried about what people in their church will think if they say something or do something. I've had many of my peers over the years say, well, I can't say this, or I can't do this, or I'll lose the biggest giver in my church. They'll go someplace else. I said, well, then if you're worried about them, 
I said, then you're not delivering the word that God's given you to deliver. You'd be better off leaving and letting somebody come in there and deliver the message that needs to be delivered. I'm serious. They live in fear of what happens if we, if we do this. What, hap- what would happen? Living your life for someone else's approval? Let us remember that we will stand before God one day and give an account of every thought, word, and deed since coming to know Christ. Proverbs 28 25 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Most people, if they really knew that they worry about people, what people are thinking about them, and if they really understood that most people aren't even giving them a second thought, they come on now. And I've seen this before. And I saw a, a, two ladies one time in a church. All of a sudden, they were best friends. All of a sudden, they stopped talking to each other. And, and, and after a while, I went and got involved, and I said, what's going on here? This is, is so blatant. I mean, you, you, everywhere you went, you were together. And now once it's on one side, once it's on the other, you, just, you don't even look at each other. You can tell something's wrong, man. It just doesn't feel good, you know? And she said, well, I know she's thinking this about me. I said, how do you know? I can feel it. I said, you're not even a mind reader. You're a body feeler. You know, an emotion feeler. How does that work? So I went to the other lady. I said, why are you upset with her? She said, because she quit talking to me. She says you quit talking to she quit talking to you because you were doing saying this about her. She said, I ain't never said anything. I said, so the two of you are sitting apart, driven, a wedge driven between you. It's impacting not only your walk with God and your walk with each other, it's impacting the church as a whole. I said, you're letting this thing divide and conquer and defeat you. I said, this is crazy. Don't live for God. Live for God. The third thing is in the word start is the word A, and that's announce your faith. I'm going to go quicker here. But I'm saying go public with it. Announce your goal, declare your intention, let it be known the change you want to make in your life, what you're asking God to do. You say, why? Because you need to announce it because secret faith is shallow faith. Secret faith is shallow faith. Mark 10, 51 says, Jesus asked him, of speaking to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man answered, teacher, I want to see. He said, I want to see. I want my sight. I want to be healed. Notice that he didn't say, whatever you would want in your name. Whatever you think would be best for me. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do? Why would Jesus do that? Why would he do that? Why would he walk over to a blind beggar and go, what is it that you want? What, isn't it obvious what he would want? 
He doesn't want to be a beggar. And he, doesn't, he wants to see. But he asked them, what is it you want me to do? Why does he do that? He did it for Bartimaeus' sake. Why was it? What do you mean? Because he was allowing Bartimaeus to make public his declaration of what he wanted God to do for him, what he wanted Jesus to do. You don't ask a guy to heal you unless you believe and unless you have the faith that he can do it. Come on now. He, he would have said, uh, uh, whatever you think is best. No, he said, I want to be healed. I want to see. I want to see. His response was, I believe you are who you say you are, the son of God. His response said, I believe you have the power to change me, to heal me. And his response was, I believe that you can change me. You can. I think the church sometimes is sitting on the edge of almost believing. I don't know why I'm saying this. I just feel led. There's some people you're sitting right on the, the ledge. In your mind, you said, I know he can, but you're going if he wants to. You're just teetering on the edge. You're right there. Oh, Jesus. I feel a Holy Ghost on that right now. I just feel it. Bartimaeus said, I want to see. He said that because he knew that Jesus could do it. He can do it. He knew it. And he was not going to let that moment pass him by. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus is asking some of you today, the same question, what is it you want me to do for you? Now, I said this with a little intrepidation because there's too much teaching out there that God just sits up there and he's our throw me something, Mr. kind of God. In other words, that I'm, I'm owed this kind of thing. But when in reverence we come to him, he said, ask. Ask in my name, and your joy shall be made full. Ask. It's the attitude in which we come. It's not the attitude like, well, I'm a child of God, and therefore I deserve this. You need to give it to me kind of thing. Careful what you, you ask for, because you just might get it. But when we come and we just say, Father... I know who you are. Your word is true. The Bible says when we consume it upon our own lust, we, we don't get it. But when we pray rightfully, the prayers, the effectual prayers of a righteous for avails much. Ask. 
If Jesus were to come right before you right now and ask you that question, what is it you want me to do? What would be your answer? Bartimaeus didn't have to flinch. He didn't have to say, well, let me pray about it. Let me think about it. Let me fast about it. He said, I want to see. The first step. Announce it. The fourth step is receive God's grace by faith. What do I mean by that? We seize the moment. We realize that Jesus is here. He's given us the opportunity. We face our fears. We come against them. And we announce our faith. And then we receive God's grace by faith. We receive his gift by faith. Mark 10.52 says this. Jesus said to him, speaking of Bartimaeus, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight. Notice something. That Jesus said, go your, go your way. And it was after Jesus said that, he said, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And then immediately he gained his sight. It wasn't that he got his sight first and then he goes, I'm here. Oh. And Jesus says, go your, go your way. No, he says, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. And immediately his eyes were healed. It took place. It took place. I know that there are some of you here today or maybe listening today and you're carrying a lot of hurt. Some of you barely made it here today. Some of you, you're carrying major conflict, major pain, major disappointment, major grief in your life. Some of you, you feel lonely. You feel like that life has passed you by, that joy is something you've... you've it's, it's a faded memory in your life. You're kind of like the blind beggar Bartimaeus sitting by the road, but the truth is that you can put on a happy smile but be hurting on the inside. But Jesus wants to give you a fresh start. He wants you by faith to receive that. He wants to give that to you. you. I can't earn it. You can't earn it. We can't work for it. We can't buy it. We certainly don't deserve it, but he wants to give it to us regardless of our past, regardless of where we are right now, regardless of that. He wants to help us bring change into our life, but we have to surrender to him and we have to do it on his terms. We have to do it on his terms. I know a lot of people, the first of the year, they make resolutions. They say, oh, I'm going to make this change. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And, and, and it never happens because they're trying to do it on their own. If you could have brought the change, you would have done it already. You need a greater power within you to do it. 
I've told this story before, but I'll be real quick about this. When I was a teenager and I came to Christ, I wasn't raised in church that taught the Bible. Went to catechism all my life and, and, and did all the things I was supposed to do. But my heart was not changed, but Jesus came into my life and changed my life. The day he came, I didn't know that's what happened, but the day he came into my life, he took away the desire for alcohol. He took away the desire for drugs. He took away the desire for pornography. He took away the desire for profanity, using profanity. He took away every single one of those things in my life. Swept me clean. I would tell people I felt like that when I woke up the next morning, God had taken a, a, a spiritual Brillo pad and scrubbed me out from the inside. That's the way I felt. But the one thing that still had me was smoking. But I decided on my own, I was going to stop that habit. And do you know how many times I stopped and failed and stopped and failed and stopped and failed and stopped and failed? And every time you fail, it's just like you get beat down even worse. The enemy makes you feel worse than before. And every time I'd say, I'm going to do it. But after a while, you just think, what's the point? Because you know you're just going to fail again. And I remember where I was. My friend and I were on, on his parents' houseboat in, up on, in uh, Modesto, California. And, and we were sitting on the houseboat. His parents were passed out drunk. So we could do whatever we wanted to. And, and we said, man, we're out of cigarettes. So we walked to the store and each got a couple packs of cigarettes and walked back to the boat. And I remember I lit up that cigarette and I took a puff. And when I did, my head, I thought my head was going to explode. It hurt so badly. And I said, oh, Jesus, I'm tired of this. Why can't I quit? And I, for the first time, heard the voice of the Spirit speaking to my spirit. And he said, you've never asked me to help you. And I remember right then and there, I opened up that whole pack and I started dumping them in the river. My, my friend David, he grabbed my arm. He said, you fool, what are you doing? We just bought them cigarettes, man. I said, God just spoke to me. He said, dude, what kind of cigarettes are you smoking? <laughs> I said, I bet, dude, I'm telling you, God just spoke to me. And then I told him I didn't want to do this anymore. And he said, dump them out in the river. He said, well, give them to me. Don't waste them. And in my mind, I thought, and then I heard, I said, but God said, dump them out in the river. I said, no. And I tore open the other pack and I dumped them out. He said, that was stupid. Do you know how much money that was? You know how much money it was back in those days? 45 cents a pack. And I said, Jesus, take this away. I want you. And I want to tell you from that day forward, the desire was gone. 
And the Spirit of God spoke to this young teenage boy and said, go get your calendar and begin to put an X through every day that you, that you don't smoke. And I began to, I used to do that as a kid when it got near Christmas, and counting down the days to Christmas, you know. But here it was early in the year, and I'm counting down. And my mom came in and said, what's all these X's for? Oh, uh, God told me to do something. She said, okay. And I'm marking the X's down. Month went by, two months went by, three months went by, about the third month and a half. One morning I woke up with the shakes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And the desire, I thought, I need a puff. I need some. And, and God said, go look at that calendar and count the X's. And I started counting. One page, two page, three page. He said, one puff wipes them all out. I said, God, I want you. And I took out my marker and put an X right through that day. And God delivered me. See, how desperate are you? You've got to ask for God's help. If you think you can do it, then you're God. No. And the church today for too long has thought themselves of God, that they are God. We need to come back to the place where like Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up and his glory filled the temple. And I said, woe is me. I am an unclean man with unclean lips living among an unclean people. And let the fire of God be touched upon our lives that God can change us. But how desperate are we for that? How much do we want it? We need to realize that spiritual blindness is far worse than physical blindness. And then the last thing is take the next step. Take the step of faith. Take whatever it is. I don't know what it is for you. Every single person in this room, there's a next step. But it's different for every single one of us. Because we're all at different stages, at different places, at different things in our walk. But I don't know what it is, but God wants you to take it. But you have to take it by faith. You have to take it in faith, knowing that if God is calling you, God will see you through. Amen. You say, but I don't know how it will work out. That's why it's faith. Yeah. You know. You've got to trust him. Some of you, you've never surrendered your life to Christ. You need to do that this year. You need to do it now. That's your first step. Some of you, you've given your life to the Lord, but you've never followed him in water baptism. You need to do that. You need to say the next time they have a class, I'm, not, I'm going to quit making excuses. I'm going in that water. In fact, I want to be first in line. Some of you, you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. 
Instead of just saying, well, that's, I don't know. No, you need to make that step. You need, by faith, you need to do it. Some of you, maybe, maybe you need to start tithing, getting your finances in order, putting God first in your life. I could make a list a mile long. That's not what I'm here to do. That's not what it's about. But I'm telling you that God will never be finished in taking you deeper in faith. I don't care how, how many of you have been serving God for, you, you surrendered your life, you've been serving God for at least one year. Let me see your hands. Look, at the, look around, the majority of people. How many five years? Wow, that's great. How many 10? How many 20? Some of you go, I ain't even 20 years old. Sorry, had to have a cutoff point somewhere. How many of you 25? How many 30, 40, 50? 100. No, I ain't going 100. <laughs> you know what my point is? There's some of us, we've been following Jesus for over 50 years. And he's not done taking us deeper. See, we, we, I told God when he first talked to me about leaving where I was and coming to this church, I said, Lord, I'm too old for that. I'm getting too old for this start over stuff. I, I like it where we're at, Lord God. I, I, things are really good where they are. He said, too old, huh? He said, how old was Joshua? When they went into the promised land, how old, how old was, I said, I don't want to talk about that. He said, if you say you're too old, then what you're saying is, I've arrived. And I said, Lord, I haven't arrived. He said, then take the next step. Are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust me? And I'm telling you, some of you are there. You, God's been dealing with you about some things. He's been dealing with you about some things. And you know it. You're going to keep putting it off or are you going to say this is the year? In fact, let's change that. Are you going to put it off or are you going to say this is the day? This is the day. This is the moment. God changed my life. Right now, we're going to pray. Mm, I feel the Spirit of God moving up here right now. I feel Him right now. <laughs> You have a choice. I could show you scripture right now, but I'll just tell you. It said this about Bartimaeus. In one, in one verse it says he was sitting by the road, and after he met Jesus, it says, and he followed Jesus down the road. You have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. Do you want to be sitting by the road, or do you want to be following Jesus down the road? 
Do you want to be sitting, crying out, whining, complaining, griping about everything? Or are you ready just to follow God with all your heart? Which one is going to define your life today? And if you're ready to say, God, I'm ready to step out no matter what, no matter where, no matter how, I am ready to step out, then I'm going to ask you to stand and step out. And, and just step forward and come forward and just say, God, this is my time. This is it. This is God. I'm, 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 I'm not going to sit here any longer where I, I want to go deeper, 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 further, more with you, God. That's what I, where I'm, that's where I'm at. Come on. Come on. Right now, it's you and God. It's between you and God. You don't need me. You don't need anybody to pray for you, per se. We're praying for you. We prayed. You've had people praying before service. This is When is the change going to happen? When are you going to let God do what God wants to do in your life? That's your choice. That's your decision. You're going to be sitting by the road? Watching the parade go by? Or are you going to get up and begin to walk in it? Walk in following Jesus and saying, God, no matter what, no matter what the cost, no matter what direction, no matter what you may ask of me, that's what I'm ready to do. That's what I'm willing to do. Come on now. There's got to be change. But that's what God is in. The, he's in the changing business. He sent his Holy Spirit to change us. This is the time. This is the day. This is the moment. This is the hour. What are you waiting for? What's the next step that God's calling you to? Right now, right where you're at, talk to God. Talk to the Lord Jesus. Talk to him right now. Speak to him. He'll speak to you. He'll speak to you. As the worship team leads us in just an intimate time with him, let this become a place. See yourself as Bartimaeus sitting by the road and you're crying out to Jesus. And he's saying, what do you want me to do? What is it you desire of me? What is it? Let him know. Tell him right now. Tell him right now. You say, well, I'm not sure if he can. Tell him, what do you want him to do for you right now? And if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, you've never surrendered your life, then you need to come and you just need to say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I give you my life, everything about my life. I want to go after you, God, with all my heart. Right now, come on, right where you're at. This is a very intimate time, very personal time. It's between you and the Lord. Come on, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
before you right now we cry out in desperation before you Jesus Jesus have mercy Jesus come and move in our life Jesus change my life Jesus have your way Jesus certain 
things that are taking, they're robbing you of your time. And when it's gone, it's gone. And God is saying, are you willing to let go of that? Are you willing to put that on the altar? Are you willing to stop that activity? Are you willing to pull back from that so that you have more time with Him? Feel that strongly for some of you. Time, believe me, time is the most valuable element in life. Because the minute you stop breathing, time, as you won't know it, ceases. And we say that, oh, it doesn't matter if I spend all my time doing this there's tomorrow tomorrow's not guaranteed God will challenge you in the use of your time he will come on Holy Spirit Holy Spirit
right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this this week. <laughs> I was impressed to do this last week, and I put it off. But I feel impressed again right now. If you are in here and you are at the age of 20 and under, I want you to come stand across the front. I'm torn because I think there's some upstairs that need to be down here too. Come on, look at this. I, I, I looked out and I counted five, I thought. Do you see this? Do you see this? You say, well, what's going on, Pastor? Just hang on. I felt this last week, too. And he just brought it back to remembrance just now. I, I was about to dismiss. and I know what he's saying. My, 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 my. Come on, just wait. Can we wait just a moment? Can we wait just a moment? Something, something's about to break. Something's about to break. Mighty God, mighty God, there's an influx coming. There's, there's something happening. There's something moving right here, right now. There's more coming. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. So, Pastor Bob, what's going on? What's this about? There's an anointing. There's a, there's a very unique anointing that God's releasing. <laughs> I feel so strong. Feel it so strong right now. Feel it so strong. He could have a Sunday. He cut a hot at the Lalabasokata. And they say, Kitty Ande, Manana Nicotrapacata. Este, este, Codora Massi. And they cosata Lalabota. Romba cosi carane. Estane, Bashata, Trocata Pesi. Nene so cotamponde, parapa conde se caralabato, mene, jidai, i coronde, bobananica, sicala paco, asta calali, isundeos o tarama, 
indesa katiata pora sande kotapa forapa kotapese indesa katapai indesa kete indesa kete eshe katapa sota ne haro kapasane inda ukashanai hu For this is an hour in which I am looking throughout the earth and I am seeking those who will hunger and thirst for my presence. I am looking for those who are at the place that are willing to say, I give you everything. For I have great plans. I have a great movement that is already beginning to take place upon the earth. And I am looking to this generation. And I am ready to pour out an anointing upon this generation. For they shall have great influence. Great influence for the world looks at their generation now and says they're lost that there's no hope for them but i am raising up a generation that will know me for even as joshua would stand by the tent of meeting and watch when i would meet with moses even when the cloud would lift and my presence would move out and Moses would leave, Joshua would stand there and he would take in the remnant of what was left. And he came to know me in that mighty way. I am looking for those who are willing to be raised up like Joshua's. Those who are willing to stand by the Moses of the hour. Those who are willing, who have paved the way, who have fought the fight, who are ready to transfer to you that call, that anointing. I see it in the spirit. I see waves upon the ocean. If you've ever seen a large wave at the tip where the water begins to roll over, the beginning it begins to turn white with foam and it begins to roll over that white edge and God showed me this line of people right here he says they're they're just like that he said the wave of my glory that's coming he said they will serve as the edge the top edge and they will begin to usher that in those who surrender to me those who are willing to let me move in their life to ready to put it all upon the altar before me i will use you in a mighty and powerful way and you will be used to help usher in this last move, this great move of the harvest, this glorious, glorious outpouring of the Spirit. You say, I'm too young. I don't know enough. I'm not looking for those who have all the mental capacity of doctorates and degrees, but I'm looking for those whose hearts are enlarged for me 
that I might pour myself into them, that they will wake in the middle of the night and cry out before me, who will call upon me, and I will show you things that you cannot even believe in this hour. Even now, I will show you, I will reveal to you hidden things in my word and I will use you mightily but I am looking for those who are willing to say here am I use me Father you see everyone standing across here you know them better than they know themselves. And God wants to know, are you willing to put yourself on the altar? Are you willing to let God have his way? I mean, really have his way. At any cost. At any cost. At any cost. at any cost any cost any cost said I'll take what you give me and amplify it he's going to amplify it what you give him he'll amplify it he'll increase it you give him a little he can increase a little you give him all going to amplify what you give them what are you ready to give them right now what are you ready to give them right now holy ghost what are you ready to give them right now what are you ready to give them right now tell them tell him tell him right now forget about me forget about everybody else for just a moment what are you ready to give them right now tell them tell them it's you and God you and God, you and God, you and God, you and God. Give it to him. Give it to him. Give it to him. Give it to him. Holy Spirit. Give it all. Come on. Jesus.
Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Mighty God. Parents, if you're here and any of these belong to you, I want you to come stand behind them real quick. He said, well, they're all over the place. Pick out one or two. Stretch your hand toward the other one. Doesn't matter. If you need to get out of line, go down, find a sibling, that's fine. So what, what are we doing, Pastor? I just asked them to give everything. And whatever they give, God's going to amplify it. Now I'm asking you. Are you ready to release them? Are you ready to release them? Are you ready to give them to God? I mean, release them to God. Let God have his way. Are you really ready to let them do it? Then right now, put your hands on them. And stretch your hand towards them, whichever. And right where you're at, you just pray. Say, God, I give you my child. I give you my, my daughter. I give you my son. I give them to you right now. God, use them mightily in this last day. Lord, that if possible, let my eyes see. Let my eyes see them being used mightily and powerfully, Lord God. But God, if not, let me know that the legacy that I passed on to that God that that I give them to you now Lord I offer them to you now when you came in here today you had no idea God was getting ready to do this God, I give them to you. I give them to you. Oh, my desire. God, I put my desire for my child, for my children. I put them in your hands. Come on, Mom. Come on, Dad. Put them in God's hands. Let your dream, your goal, your desire for them, let, it, let them be in God's hands. He knows your child better than you. He knows what he wants to do. You've got to give them to God. Give them to God. Give them to God. Give them to God. I relinquish, Lord, whatever you call them to do. I relinquish whatever you call them to do. Father, in Jesus' name. Jesus. Give them to you right now, Jesus. Holy Ghost. Mighty, 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 mighty God. Kotapasataramana. Haya, ya, ya, ya. Konehe. Shehe. Kotapasa. Dalabato. Neneko sande. Parabasane. Nakasi. Kotapa. Horo. Papavosita ne. Yata, yata, 
Yata kodapa sin ne shakata papa. For the enemy would say to you, never, never, never shall this come to pass. But I, the Lord, am not subject to his word. He is subject to my word. And I have spoken it this day, and that word will come to pass. For those who offer themselves unto me with all their heart, I will take, and I will break, and I will remold, and I will cultivate, and I will mold them into that which I can use. And the world will look and say, look what he has done. Look what he has done. Look what he has done. And they will not see you, but they will see my hand and they will see my glory and I will receive the praise for it, says God. For the enemy has said, nothing shall come of your life, nothing of value, but I say just the opposite. For you are created in my image and likeness for such a time as this and that which I determine shall be accomplished. Hallelujah. And that goes for every single person that's up here. Listen to me. God doesn't make mistakes. God didn't make a mistake when you were born for such a time as this you say why why am I like this why do I respond this way why am I made up the way that I am why can't I be like others God said I made you and I created you for such a time as this for a specific purpose I will not undo that which I have purposed because you think that you don't measure up. You surrender to me and watch and see what I will do. For the past is the past. And I know the plans that I have written for you says the Lord. Mighty God. <laughs> this is awesome, man. <laughs> Woo, Jesus come on let's just love on God right now Jesus we love you Holy Spirit we praise you thank you Lord for your goodness thank you Lord for your mercy thank you Lord for your grace thank you Lord for a love that cannot be measured we can't even begin to fathom the depth of your love for us. 
Jesus. Jesus, 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 signs and wonders, dreams and visions, miracles, for out of the mouth of babes, <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes, I'll speak. Hallelujah. 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 Mighty God, we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. I love it when the Holy Spirit surprises us. How many of you love the presence of God like this? It's just so awesome. It's so awesome. I know why God told me not to do this last week because we didn't have this many people here last week. Nowhere is near this many people, never mind this many young people. This is a divine moment. This is a God moment. I said, This is a God moment, young I want you that are 20 and under, I want you to look to two or three people and just look at them and say, Today was God's day for you. Come on, look at them and tell them that. Today was God's day for you. God's day for you. Tell, tell two or three people that right now. Today was God's day for you. Did you tell two or three people? Tell, tell somebody right now. Tell somebody right now. Today was God. Come on, tell her. Tell her right there. Tell, tell her. Tell her. There you go. Man, this is... How hard can that be? I mean, right? Come on, right? This is God's day for me. Say it, everybody. This is God's day for me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we bless you and we praise you for your goodness. Thankfulness, Lord. Your graciousness beyond anything we deserve. Bless us as we walk from this place. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I know it's late and I know we took a long time, but I felt like, I don't know about you, it's worth it. Right? Amen. Now, if we have any volunteers that can help us pull down all this Christmas decorations for just a few minutes, that would be greatly appreciated. Lisa Markham, I think, is heading that up. So I relinquish control to her in that, in that area. <laughs> Amen.